We are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Callie, and as always, I'm joined by Dom Loss and our second special guest of the show, a friend of the show, Evan Harrington from the Buffalo Fanatics. Evan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing I'm doing good. How are you fellas doing? Doing all right. This fine Friday morning, you know. So we got a lot, we got a lot going on, NFL-wise, even you know. NHL-ish, I guess, with the Sabres. So let's just let's talk Buffalo Bills for a minute here. Just free agency in general so far. What are your what are your thoughts on some of the moves we've made? And uh will you be singing Gary Come Home watching Tremaine Edmonds go all the way to Chicago? <laughs> um no, that's been pretty good. Yeah, um, you know, free agency so far, I think it's been, you know, relatively solid for the Bills. You know, losing Edmonds is is going to hurt. But um, once you have players under contract, you know, for four or five years and, you know, they're here for a long time and they're due for that next contract, you're going to lose one or two of those. And Edmonds has been a solidified piece, you know, in the linebacking in linebacker room here. And, you know, you lose him, but you know, sometimes you got to bite the bullet with that. And Edmonds is one of those players that we've lost, but the bills haven't been really accustomed to losing players um, under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. So I think losing Edmonds kind of the first big player we've lost under these two just kind of, you know, feels a little different. Um, Like the chiefs have been, you know, used to losing players every single season. Um, The Patriots, you know, for years, you know, under Belichick and Brady, um, the Steelers with Tomlin and Roethlisberger, but this is the first time we've really, you know, felt that pain of losing a star impactful player in Edmonds. But overall, you know, free agency, it's been solid so far, but the Bills are still looking to add. So as much as the pain is hurt with losing Edmonds, it's going to be patched up a little bit, you know, throughout the, you know, phase two of free agency. Yeah, I think it's, I think you make a good point about it's the first real big play. I mean, Milano, what, tested free agency, came back, same thing with now Poyer. So it's like, this is like the first guy that tested and actually like left, which is kind of unfortunate. You know, as as a man who has a Tremaine Edmonds jersey is now uh, a free agent in the Buffalo Bills jersey market and now looking for just suggestions. But the I mean, jersey's I, worn too. The, the, the numbers literally... I, I, Faded I, I, off the back. Well loved. It was well loved. <laughs> Retro jersey. <laughs> so obviously, you know, Poyer resigns. We still don't really know the details other than it's a two-year contract. They signed Connor McGovern to a three-year deal. They signed Deontay Hardy, and they signed Kyle Allen uh, as like the backup quarterback. How would you rank those four moves for the Bills? They like, can order from best to worst. Um, I mean, obviously, number one. It probably have to be Connor McGovern. I, I think that the Bills needed to address the le- the left guard position. Um, you know, bringing in Roger Saffold last year was an interesting move. You bring in this veteran guard on a one year contract. It had potential. Um, we thought we knew what he can do in Tennessee, bringing it over to Buffalo, but that just didn't transpire here. And then you go a little bit younger with McGovern. He's you know six years younger on a three year deal. Uh, I like he's twenty five years old played through injuries last year. So we don't really know the potential that he can rise up to. So I think McGovern at one, um, I like Deontay Hardy at two. Um, I actually, I actually really do like that move. People are kind of underrating it a little bit. Um, I, I, I do like it. Um, Kyle Allen, I'm trying to think, uh, sorry, McGovern, Hardy, Poor. Allen, 
Poyer. Okay, Poyer. Perfect. Sorry. I would. You know what? I would put Poyer at two, Hardy at three, and then I would put Kyle Allen at four. Sorry, the the Poyer processing. I I just always recognize him as a bill and not coming from free agency. Um, but yeah, so I'd go McGovern, Poyer at two. Hardy at three and then Allen at four. I think bringing in Kyle Allen, it's just a fine move. You're bringing in a guy that's familiar with Allen. So you can't really go bad there. No. Yeah, I agree. I, I just, I think I like Poyer being back. I do like Kyle Allen. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, him and Josh know each other. Who's getting the initial on their Jersey. That's been the big hot topic the past couple days, I guess. So uh, maybe if one does both of them have to, I don't know. I that that'll be interesting to see the they might do it for Jersey sales in general. Like if J, Josh Allen goes to Jay Allen, you know, people are buying Jay Allen jerseys. So it's it's all a marketing ploy. So don't be surprised if you see that. But I like Hardy a lot. I watched some footage um, and, you know, you could say he's he's somewhat of a, a Tyreek Hill esque player, like quick, very fast, you know. And especially when we're struggling in the slot and in that gadget role with McKenzie being rather inconsistent last season, I think that was a very, very smart move on the Bills' end to grab him. And McGovern, of course, big need. One of our biggest needs is on the, the offensive front. So I am more – that that to me is the standout of free agency so far. Waited for Brandon Bean to speak. He was supposed to speak like 1 p.m. yesterday, and it didn't go off until like 5. So – I was expecting some big blockbuster deal all of a sudden, but no, we're, <laughs> we're just chilling, you know, but I just, I think they don't need that this season. I think we kind of have the team we need. I think they're just getting the finishing pieces at this point uh, to fill in those depth spots that we're struggling so much with, but. I know it's just, it's definitely been a strange offseason though, just from the fact of like, I think everyone had the expectation they were going to lose both Poirier and Edmonds and they were going to lose all this like capital, but They've kind of just stayed pat, which is kind of important seeing how, you know, the Bengals and Chiefs have lost a bunch of free agents. Obviously, the two teams in the division, the Jets and Dolphins, have really gotten a lot better. So it's kind of interesting how the Bills gained ground really, I think, on the top of the AFC, but the division kind of gained ground on them. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. I, would agree. I would agree. Oh, Yeah, I was going to say, you know, and the thing with the Bills is that they could have dramatically got worse this offseason from a talent standpoint, overall, the bills are still going to be the bills. They're still going to win 12 plus games. They're still going to do that. But from a talent standpoint, the bills could have got, you know, dramatically worse, but they lose a very talented linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds, but they also bring in a very talented left guard in Connor McGovern. So you, you subtract, but you add, you don't lose Jordan Poyer. You bring back Jordan Poyer. You bring, you know, Deontay Hardy in on a very relatively cheap contract for a guy if healthy can play, you know, a really prominent role in this offense. So even though the bills, you know, lost one really key piece, they didn't just let that affect their free agency. And they said, Hey, we're going to lose one, but we're going to add at the same time. We're going to lose a spot that, you know, we had filled in, but we're going to add a spot that we didn't have fill in. And that's Connor McGovern at left guard. So I really like the approach that Brandon Bean uh, had this free agency, knowing we don't have the amount of cap room that we would like to work with, but at the same time, we're not going to let it uh, derail or, you know, fizzle out our, our off season. Well, I also like how we didn't just counter the the Bears' offer of eighteen million dollars per year because they've been able to now use that eighteen million dollars, as you said, to add smaller pieces: McGovern, Hardy, bring back Poyer. I mean, really, those moves probably wouldn't have been able to happen if they just went all in and brought Edmonds back. So, 
I, yeah. I think that's an important concept. But like talking about Deontay Hardy, I think it was funny the other day when his contract got signed. I just, I it was the ultimate who moment. I was like, mm-hmm. I have no idea who this guy is. And then I, then uh, I realized that he changed his name from Deontay Harris to Deontay Hardy because of his stepfather, which is a cool story. But I mean, that dude was a very good returner. I'm not saying he's Tyree Kill as Joe alluded to, but like he's he's that mold <laughs> of. I think all of us wanted Isaiah McKenzie to be that, but I think Isaiah McKenzie's more straight line speed than shifty. Yeah. I think you get the shiftiness here. And then I think, like, I'm just waiting for the Isaiah McKenzie to be cut news. I, I don't know. What do you think about the whole McKenzie being cut potentially and Hardy's role in the offense? Uh, oh, you can go, Joe. No, I, I was just going to say, I mean, I've mentioned it on earlier episodes and whatnot. I, I think the um the way that goes should be mckenzie's gone mckenzie's cut and then you have um you have naheem hines kind of step into the gadget role a little bit which i would like and then you have hardy kind of the full-time slot if possible or you just rotate him in and out i don't know find find a way to get naheem hines more involved even if it's in the backfield i'd be happy but i'd like to see him kind of as that gadget because you know he can do it he's a punt returner and now a kick returner i like that i think you should keep doing that so you know, when he returns a few in a game, I feel like that's kind of an indicator that you're pretty good at that. So, yeah. And here's the big thing with Isaiah McKenzie right now. I just looked it up to, you know, to clarify. I'm pretty sure if Isaiah McKenzie gets cut within the next couple of days, the Bills cap space goes up to $11 million, right? And $11 million right now can be huge because um, you're, you're still looking to add the middle linebacker position, even though we've heard Brandon Bean in press conferences say, you know, maybe our starters in our own room right now, but you know, that in the back of Brandon Bean's mind, he wants to add something with that extra few million dollars. And that goes back to if the bills do release Isaiah McKenzie because of the Deontay Hardy signing, they could use a couple of that extra million dollars to put it towards, uh, you know, bringing in a, a, a veteran running back, you know, power back, or you bring in a veteran linebacker, you know, to play next to Matt Milano. You don't know what that extra million could go to just because you have that extra million. You kind of want to use it. You don't want it to go to waste. And if you're, if there's another hole that the bills can fill, we already know that Brandon Bean's going to do that. And that could be the result of cutting Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And just like a general thought here, moving forward, what are there any other free agents out there with that freed up cap space that you would like you have your your radar set on any anyone else you would want to see the bills or brandon bean make a move for that's not necessarily blockbuster ish but like will help add to the the depth of this team yeah it's open anyway. um <laughs> I, I i do have one i do have one this might not be a popular opinion i actually okay. did talk about this i'm on the blitz the other day but i talked about the chance, the the um, the odds of bringing Ezekiel Elliott to Buffalo. Mm, now okay. he's not popular. He's not a fan favorite at all amongst the NFL community. He's washed up, can't run, can't cut in between you know the lanes and stuff. Doesn't have the same burst, but I still think he's got a little juice you know in his legs. In the last two seasons, I think he's ran football pretty well. I don't think it's been great. I don't think it's been um, you know worth the contract he had in Dallas, but he's still the best blocking back in the NFL and he's still a running back that can get you three or four yards. If you need him to get those yards, he's a very good short yardage back. And I believe that the bills can bring him, bring him in on a one year, you know, $5 million contract. 
just have him come here and play that 1A, 1B role with James Cook. I think it's a nice compliment to what the Bills got going on because when you look back at Dallas, I know they got the offensive line, the Bills don't, but you saw what that running game could be with a running back like Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And James Cook is about as similar as Tony Pollard as we're going to have on this Bills roster. And if you can kind of replicate that and duplicate that in some sort of way, I would be all for it bringing Ezekiel Elliott to Buffalo. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think honestly, you might be one of the only people who's made any like decent argument towards that. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I've seen a lot just like, oh, he he's Zeke. He look at what he did in Dallas. Yeah. Like in the past couple of years, he really hasn't done anything in Dallas. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't I be, just, a- I don't think from Brandon Bean's comment, they're going to, invent- yeah. oh, it's, it's yeah. interesting though. Cause like you give him his comments, like, and especially how they reconstructed Heinz contract that you would think Heinz would have a better role in the backfield, but then, you know, Brandon Bean didn't talk about adding a different, you know, that that north-south run of that power back. But then he also made the point to say that dude didn't have to be – I mean, he, there's two running backs that are around 200 pounds, but the guy doesn't have to be, like, 230. So I, I think what would be interesting about Zeke is that he's a very good blocker, as you said, Evan. Um, you know, James Cook really struggled that his rookie year. It was more of, like, the Devin, Devin Singletary role of, you know, especially how much the Bills, you know, passed the ball as well, like the pass pro and all that stuff. So – I think it'd be interesting. I, I just truly believe for the Bills that they're just going to draft some sixth round rookie and just throw that out there. But yeah, that could be it too. I mean, you know, but you, the, the cool the way cooler option is the Zeke option. Just have oh yeah, yeah. But I, I jersey would say, sales would spike again. Marketing ploy. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. I I just don't. I truly don't believe the Bills are going to go into the draft. You know, with the huge hole at middle linebacker. Like I feel like they have to find a way to add someone to that. I like that Brandon Bean did like quash the like the thought of like putting Matt Milano at middle linebacker. I just think that's like you have an all pro at his position. Why would you switch him to middle linebacker and all that? But mm-hmm. I, I, from the point of him talking about how he wants, uh, you know, Bernard and potentially Dodson, who I think sucks, but whatever, like to potentially <laughs> win that role. I, I don't. I think Wagner is probably out of the picture then. But maybe a guy like Drew Tranquell, who was a very good coverage linebacker for the Chargers, kind of fits Edmonds in that aspect of coverage, but not maybe not the best run stopper. I don't know. I feel like he would be a guy that would probably be pretty cheap. There's my ND bias right there, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I honestly, you mentioned drafting a rookie running back in the sixth round. Everyone wants B. John Robinson, right? Everyone, everyone's on the Bijan hype train. As the listeners here and on the Bloods know, I am not, not a, not a Bijan guy. His backup, though, his backup is what we're kind of looking for here. He, he's not, he's not that, you know, Bijan Robinson esque running back. He's more of a power guy, kind of bust through the line for short yardage. A Mike Tolbert, if you will. And oh, no. I, I would be, <laughs> I would be, uh, I'd be up. fine. I'd be fine with that. Like six round, right? Like, wait, I do not want to see a running back go in the first three rounds. And also we kind of have a solution to this on our team. In my opinion, we have the most versatile fullback in the NFL. Uh, Reggie Gilliam, he can catch, he can run, start sending him up the middle. He's a big dude. You use him to block too. Like just start doing more stuff with him. You did in the beginning of the season. And then he was just not on the field. I feel like for the, for the rest of the season. Dom, I mean, we were at that Titans game and he was, he caught that touchdown. We didn't know what happened. I mean, he's just so elusive. Like, how could you not? How could you not play Gilliam? Come on. 
Actually, just thinking about, like, as you were talking about, like, power backs, I was thinking of Dearon uh, Johnston, the free agent from the Browns. I just remember he had, like, a three-week stretch where he was, like, the fantasy football waiver because I think either Chubb or Hunt or both were injured. And he kind yeah. of took the reins. I think he might be a very good uh, cheap option at the, you know, little power, a little maybe upside as well. Yeah. Something that people aren't talking about is the chance that the Bills could bring back Devin Singletary. That mm-hmm. is also a very big possibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With like all roads lead home. It's it's like it's like the Jordan Poyer situation. You try to test free agency, but there's just nothing there for you. And you may just end up right back where you started, and that is in Buffalo. Once you are in Buffalo, there's a good chance that you're really never gonna leave Buffalo. <laughs> and if you try to leave, you're probably gonna always find your way back. Tremaine Edmonds, that goes for you as well. I'll see you in a few years. But Devin Singletary <laughs> could end, you know, find up end up finding his way back here on a, a one-year, two-and-a-half, three-million-dollar contract. And I don't know, what, what, what would your guys' thoughts be on, you know, bringing Motor back if we if we had to? Can still yell Motor in whenever he, he does anything yeah, big in a game. I think it's an interesting thought process because I think everyone going into the market thought that the market was so diluted with running backs that he would have a hard time finding a job better than what he had in the bills or finding the offer. I don't know. I feel like if... Devin came back. I would have to know that it was uh, James Cook's backfield, and he was kind of a complimentary piece. Because yeah. I feel like last year was kind of Singletary's backfield for mo- majority of the beginning of the year, and then they kind of like shared it. I would need James Cook to be getting Devin. Like I need like a sixty forty, that kind of workload, and the forty percent that's where Naheem Himes and Devin Singletary splits. Like I think James Cook needs to be the main. The featured back in the backfield but yeah if he comes if he comes back on that kind of deal like i'm all right i just think it might be a little stagnant to bring everyone back but i i like the thought of motor in coming back and it's just he was he, he's gotten back to the point where he's effective on the run right like this past season like he was a decent running back for majority of the games we played where a couple years in between there in between his first year and this year, he kind of was meh. Right. And you're right in the fact I want to see it as James cooks backfield. I think when he doesn't fumble on his first touch and get benched for a while, I think, I think we might've seen more of that this season, but I think, I think in the end of it, we're going to see some, some James cook action. And then I think if we bring Singletary back, we have Naheem Hines then, cemented in that gadget role and returner role so and i i would be absolutely fine with that i'm going to be honest with you because he restructured to be here he wants to win he's a good player uh one of the better pickups in my opinion i mean he's just he's he wants to win with the team so i'm all for that but yeah motoring not opposed what do do you think evan um you know same thing not opposed to the idea of it i kind of agree with dom if you know the bills do bring back you know, Devin Singletary, I would like to see that the Bills would commit to James Cook as that, you know, RB1, uh, just because you you spend a second round pick on this guy, and we've seen what he can do when he gets, you know, the load of touches, and he could be a focal point of an offense, whether that's on a drive or just an entire game, and, you know, this guy is ultra talented at the running back position, and I just don't want to uh, you know, negate or slow down this guy's development because we have to bring back Devin Singletary. If we bring back Devin Singletary, I'm cool with that, but like Don, like you mentioned, let's just have him be a complimentary piece, whether that's 
you know, the RB2 ahead of, you know, Hines, but the RB2 behind James Cook. Because I think this is James Cook's backfield unless you find a way to bring in a, a Derrick Henry or you bring in some big-time running back in the first round or through a trade, whatever you do. More likely than not, 95%. This is number 28's backfield going into next season, and it should not be negated by, you know, Singletary coming back on a one-year deal. Now, a question. Here's the question. We have seen rumors as well, speaking of running backs, of a brother connection back there, Dalvin and James. What are either of your guys' general thoughts on that? I mean, feel free to chime in first, whoever, but um, just what is Dalvin PHP is we're going to have a new segment past his prime. We're going to, we're going to start, you know? So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel personally about that. I'd rather not see that. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Cause I feel like Dalvin would take away from, like we said, James touches in the backfield, but what are your guys' general thoughts on that? Let's, let's put it this way. Other than the 80 yard touchdown that, that Dalvin cook burned the bills on, he was pretty mediocre last year and, He's expensive, and they'd have to trade an asset. And this is too many assets to give to the running back position, a position where it seems like the Bills don't fully know how to utilize their running backs already uh, to their fullest skill set. So I just feel like the cap hit, what would it take to probably trade him? It might not even be that much, but then the the hurt to the development of his brother, uh, I'm so far out on that move. Same thing with Eklar. Both of both those guys I'm out on. Yeah, there's a few different situations why I don't want uh, Delvin Cook. First, um, he's an aging running back that's dealt with injuries in the past. Two, he's on a three-year contract that the Bills should just not touch. Three, like you mentioned, Joe, and Dom, like you alluded to, is Singletary. Let's not take away touches from 28 in James Cook. And four, um, this guy has a civil case coming up maybe in the summer of 2023. We do not need to get into that. Um like we don't need to bring in a player that's going to be going through a situation like that. That's something that, you know, he has to personally deal with. And if we're bringing in a guy like that in a three-year contract, I just don't, don't do not think yeah. you know, it'll work out overall. No, I, I would agree with that. One more running back proposition for you guys. Okay. Oh, this one's the big one. All right. This one's the big one that's been floating around the King as Dan would be screaming here. As we know, the King Derek Henry, I do not, I, I did initially like this because I'm thinking to myself, okay, running back built like a linebacker, faster, as I said, faster than a school bus in a school zone. And I just I, – I did like it because it would take the pressure off of Josh Allen to be that power back, stiff-arming, like – because right now our quarterback is really our power back if you look at it. But at the same time, then, it's got to be – Derrick Henry's backfield and people would be very disappointed with his production because it still would be Josh Allen's offense. It wouldn't be built around Derrick Henry, kind of how Tennessee was, you know? So I think that would be a, a big, big difference. So I I'm, I'm now out on the whole Derrick Henry thing. Where, where are your guys thoughts on that at this point? You go first. Evan. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the whole thing with Derrick Henry is that, when he's in Tennessee, he doesn't play an overwhelming amount of the snaps. Like he's not in the backfield, uh, you know, sometimes 90 or 95% of the time or 85% of the time. Sometimes he's in the game for only 65% of the snaps. And the reason why that is is because when he's in the game, they're going to be running the football. 
So if you bring him to Buffalo, we're not turning this offense to a run-centric offense. The, the Bills' offense does not play better week to week when they are running the football almost or as more than they are throwing the football. And if you're bringing Derrick Henry here to Buffalo, you're not throwing him the football. You're not throwing him those quick swing passes that you want to see out of James Cook, Naheem Hines. Like, he's a great running back. He's a top three running back in football. I would be all for bringing Derrick Henry here if he could receive the football. I don't want to bring a running back in this day and age of football into a Bills offense if they cannot receive the football. If our team was at the current state of the Tennessee Titans and we didn't have a um, elite number one receiver, if we didn't have a top three quarterback in the league, if we didn't have Super Bowl aspirations and a, a top 10 defense overall, all these things going for us, I would say, yeah, I, I'm fine with bringing in number 22. And he could go out there and be the central um, eye of attention on offense. He can do that. But I just don't think it would work in Buffalo. I think he would be successful, I guess you can say. I think it could work. I just don't think it would be a necessary need. I don't think it changes the Bills running game much more than it is right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like the fit. As you know, uh, Evan alluded, he's not a complete back. And I think the biggest thing with Derrick Henry is that he's a really a volume rusher. You know, I think every time you watch the Titans game, every announcer always says, just wait till they get to the fourth quarter. These two-yard runs are going to start adding up. And that's not – the Bills, like, won a whole game without rushing the ball to a running back in the first half against Tampa Bay a few years ago. Like, yeah. they're not a team that's going to just sit back and just take the two-yard gains. They're a very aggressive offense. So I just don't – it's just not a fit. I mean – yeah. You had to be concerned with injuries. You had to be concerned. And, and it's not a fit. He's not an all-around back. It's a cool idea, but I, I just I truly feel like they're moving forward if James Cook is RB1. I, I guess the only concern James Cook would be he had such great efficiency in that short-term role. Would you be concerned that his efficiency drops off drastically? It's probably going to drop off a little bit, but would it drastically drop off? Um with more with more touches james cook you're saying yeah like yeah like, i mean he had like a what 5.7 yards per carry i mean that's obviously gonna go down with more touches right you got more he, also, he also had a receiving element that was never utilized in the offense and he was a, really a, the receiving back when he was in georgia well that's the thing i i, I was just gonna say we have two receiving backs in heinz <clears throat> excuse me heinz and cook how about we use them as receiving backs? Like that would be that would be a revolutionary idea. How about we throw the ball to them? How about we have them run screen passes and stuff? Like, I don't know. It's just you didn't do what you were supposed to do with them last season. And I think that was the the toughest part about it because it's just why did you even why did you even do what you did? I'm glad they're here. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like there was no no reason to do to get them if you're just not going to utilize them in the way they should be utilized, you know? Yeah. And you know, that goes back to the point, like you're going to bring in these, these types of players, whether that's James Cook and Nike Mines. And now James Cook, isn't the more traditional receiving back, but he has that aspect in his game, catching those quick swing passes, those Texas routes um, out of the backfield. You want to utilize that in some way, uh, you know, shape or possible and th that goes for Naheem Hines as well I mean these are just two players that have something different that most NFL running backs do not have they have the quick twitch in their game that just again some running backs don't have and you know if you're Ken Dorsey you got to find a way to utilize that and if you're Brandon Bean you got to also notice that as well and don't you know get desperate I'd say and, and just pull the trigger 
on a on a running back that just you know is a name whether that is a derrick henry or a austin eckler like you have two good running backs in your system right now i think you should add uh, i forgot which one of you guys mentioned it but you know go get a sixth round running back fifth round running back like that's fine like remember oh why am i forgetting his name the running back that we had last year in preseason that everyone wanted to bring up uh, blackshear yeah raheem blackshear like raheem. you can find yeah yeah radio raheem like you can bring guys <laughs> like that into our backfield and they they can contribute in some sort you know shape or way look at look at baltimore look at cleveland they always find these random running backs that you have no idea who they are but then they're like oh this this guy was at a division two school oh and he just had 150 yards in the national football league but like they find ways to get guys involved and like the bills don't have to go spend 12 billion dollars on a running back to do that Right. And that that I'm not even going to bring this one up as a possibility because I'm just slamming it down and stepping my feet all over it. Leonard Fournette, get out of here. Absolutely not. Okay. Old man. That's like bringing okay. in Frank Gore when we brought in Frank Gore, the taped up soccer cleats. No way. He's not no even way. Like but it, it, it was pretty cool to see him break the record, though. It was okay, like yeah. second all time rushing yards. OK, yeah, I'll was... give it that. But I mean, he's like a, he's like a, he's labeled as a power back, but it doesn't he's not even a good power back. It's no, you can play that kind of game. It's kind of bizarre. Exactly. But adding Connor McGovern and adding Deontay Hardy, what what would you say is the biggest need still remaining out of like the out of those two positions, which one's the bigger need still? Adding an interior offensive line or adding a wide receiver? Evan, you got this. All right. Um yeah, starting with you know the interior offensive line, I, I, I think the Bills are kind of set there. Obviously, bringing in McGovern on the three-year, $23 million contract, you're committed. That is your left guard. We know Mitch Morse may or may not only have a year or two left in the NFL. You know, we know this guy's got six concussions over his career. But we know as of right now, he's still one of the top, you know, centers in the league. He's just, you just don't know how much longer, you know, he has. If he, you know, receives another concussion, sadly, or, or gets injured, he may have to um, call it quits at some time. And then... Ryan Bates at right guard. We know what he can do. We know what uh, he's been able to do. He's on, you know, he's got three more years left in his contract. So I think interiorly you're fine. Maybe you can draft a guy in the second or third round to back up Mitch Morris again, just in case something, you know, goes wrong there. Uh, overall, though, at receiver, I, I, I think receiver-wise, you're still looking to add. I, I, I think that the Bills want to add something alongside Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis, final year of his contract. Stefan Diggs not getting any younger. You're going to always have to uh, replenish that receiver position. And whether that's drafting a guy round one, round two, I think that's what the Bills need to do. So I think receiver is kind of the bigger need right now. I think there's more of a glaring hole right there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think receiver is the, the need. Um, while we have a good receiving core, in my opinion – you know, we missed we missed having a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, right? Having that third option because we didn't in Isaiah McKenzie. He did not stack up to be that. And honestly, we should be utilizing our tight end. Honestly, Dawson Knox that we're paying top tight end money for. And he can catch. We've seen that. I mean, he's great in the playoff game against the Patriots now two years ago. Jeez. He's picking balls out of the air that were supposed to be throwaways. I mean, throw the ball his way. He's a big guy. He trucks people. He should be your third option, in my opinion. But I wouldn't be opposed to getting another wide receiver, drafting another wide receiver. And how about using Khalil Shakir? 
how about actually using him instead of in the last couple games? Like, I don't know. I think execution will be a lot better this season. So I think we'll see that, but getting another piece for depth wide receiver wise, instead of Jake Kumaro, I would be okay with that. Yeah. I, I just think, I think both positions are very similar where I feel like you kind of have your starters and then it's all about adding like that one more piece of depth, like for the interior offensive line, like after the starters, you only really have like Bakker. Like I, again, I wouldn't be surprised if they added uh, another probably rookie uh, to kind of develop under, you know, the veterans in that room. And then wide receiver wise, I guess it just matters how big of a Gabe Davis fan are you? Like how big do you think the high ankle sprain really affected them? And do you believe that, you know, Hardy f- fulfills that very necessary, like, gadgety speed, kind of like a Kadarius Tony role. And then do you have faith that Khalil Shakur could step up? I mean, last offseason we had faith that Isaiah McKenzie could step up, and, you know, we were very underwhelmed with that performance. So I feel like wide receiver is a position where they might add a more significant asset. But, again, I guess for my money, like, I just feel like it's this is all at this offseason is all added up to the – Bills drafting a linebacker round one. So I guess we'll start. I, I guess I had to ask, like, what is your dream scenario for the Bills at, I don't know if they're 27 or 28, the Miami forfeit. It's always whacking me out. But what would your dream pick be? And what would your, what, what would your dream pick be? And then what would your realistic, probably you think the Bills would actually go pick? You got it. Um, as of right now, I'm still trying to pinpoint like an exact player I, I want the Bills to get. I, I haven't done like um, a deep dive in, into scouting yet. I'm still trying to get through that um, as we speak. But overall, I, I don't know if I can see the Bills going linebacker first round just mm-hmm. because I don't know if they want to make that commitment again with Tremaine Edmonds like they did years ago. Um because a lot of people looked at that move and they're like linebacker first round trade up inside linebacker. I don't know. It's not really a popular move and the bills did it and it worked out for five years, but I just don't know if they're going to do that again. Um, we've never seen Brandon Bean draft a receiver um, in the first round. He's never drafted a receiver in the second round. So there's a chance that he can go there in the first or second round. I think that this is the season where the bills go all in on a, on a big time, skill position player in the top 64 picks. I, I, I think that there's a real shot that Brandon Bean is going to pull the trigger and actually make that sort of move. Um, other than that, I, I don't really see the Bills, you know, going interior offensive line in the first two rounds. Maybe in the third round I could see it. Um, linebacker, it's one of those sticky situations where if they see a guy they like, they could grab him, but I don't think they're going to go out of their way to do that because I think they like who they have in-house. Remember, you got to remember, they, they drafted Terrell Bernard last, last year in the third round. Like, yeah. you still have that coveted third-round player in your house. Um, and then also, the you know, the, the free agency, they can still sign a guy as well. Didn't They brought back Dodson and Medikevich as well, linebackers. Yeah. So I know that might not be the most – insightful right because that i don't know how how we feel about them but i think honestly they move away from defense in the first round right if you look back since tredavious white was picked every first round pick i believe has been defense i don't know i forget was bass outside of josh outside outside yeah yeah, well yeah outside of josh allen of course yeah but outside of josh allen but um I think it's time you gotta you gotta get some skill based 
offensive players. I, I'm I'm rooting for a wide receiver like you, Evan. I've not delved into any scouting reports just yet. Um, I did watch a little bit of the combine, but I was more amazed by Anthony Richardson. And I, I believe the uh, he's he's that bionic man like Josh Allen. If you're looking for a quarterback, I mean, I, that's why the Panthers gave away or went for that first first overall pick. I'm telling you right now, Richardson first overall, but. The thing that the thing that I love in like 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 Buffalo sports like media and talk show hosts and like like us right now is like we have an all star quarterback in Josh Allen. We're looking for receivers and we're watching the scouting combine and we're amazed by Anthony Richardson just because he reminds us so much of Josh Allen because yeah. we're looking at like 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 we have a guy like that and we're just so mesmerized um, by a guy uh, you know with with Richardson's stature and and you know you know, and him at the combine, I think it's awesome. I think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback wherever he gets drafted. But I just think it's amazing that like just us in Buffalo, we're so amazed by a guy that's just so similar to Josh in every single way. Yeah. I mean, would be a heck of a backup, you know, it'd be one, <laughs> one for one at that point. Come on. I just, I just think it's, it's, it's always kind of bizarre. to think that like we have a top three quarterback. Like we, I think everyone went to bed praying that this would happen. And now like it's actually happened. It's kind of shell shocking, but yeah, I think a position that we haven't really discussed. I just want an opinion on like, do we believe that Spencer Brown is the short term or even long term future at right tackle? And if not, how would you go about addressing that position? Because obviously, you know, we, we've seen the right tackle, uh, you know, market kind of blow up a little bit because, you know, Josh got injured from that side. Brock Purdy obviously got knocked out of the NFC championship game. I know it was a tight end, but from the right side. Do you think like that's a position where the, the Bills need to maybe look at for first round help uh, to kind of help Spencer Brown or, or are you a Spencer Brown believer? Um, So as of right now, like the last time we've heard Brandon Bean speak about Spencer Brown was just the other day and they're, and they're going to look to bring in competition, uh, whether that's a draft pick or, you know, a veteran from free agency. The way I see the Bills going is they're going to bring in a, a right tackle in free agency, nothing big. Um, it's going to be a guy that is going to compete with Spencer Brown, right? But Spencer Brown going in will be the guy. Um, I, I still think they liked what Spencer Brown delivered down the line of games. Um, I'm pretty sure Brandon Bean alluded to that in his press conference. They liked what they saw out of 79 in the last few games going into the postseason. And I'm not saying you have to bank on that in some sort of way, but this guy was a second round pick. Uh, you know, the talent and the in the potential is there. And if there's still a little more room for him to grow as a right tackle, I think you still want to see that without giving up on him uh, going into this season. Uh, now, has he been great and perfect? No, he's been far from. But you still want to kind of bank on that potential um, with Spencer Brown because it's there. Uh, we've seen it. Uh, we, we, we know it's there. It's just kind of come out. Uh, you know, in a full season and, and in a full stretch of games. So that's one big thing, but I don't think they're going to draft one in the first round or anything, but they're, it, can they? Oh, for sure. Like the bills right. could, could do anything in the first round and, and surprise us all. But I really think they're going to go the, uh, the right tackle route in free agency, maybe like bring in a guy, like I'm not saying a guy, this guy, but a guy like Daryl Williams, a guy that's a veteran, better around, around the league has started and could play if you need him to. Yeah, kind of like what Questenberry was. I, I, I think Spencer Brown, exactly. the idea, yeah, the idea of Spencer Brown with the tools and all that is awesome. 
But the reality is he hasn't had that. But also, he hasn't had a normal offseason. Like last offseason, he was dealing with that back injury. And yeah. a lot of the beginning of training camp so much so where people thought Bustonberry might be the starting right tackle. So I feel like I think this is like his last hurrah where if he doesn't show up this season, like he's kind of his starting spots probably done. But I mean, I guess worse comes to worse. He becomes your new Bobby Hart and becomes your big sixth offensive lineman. So I guess he has a Dude, role. Bobby Hart, the amount of disrespect Bobby Hart got in last offseason and he yeah. made his way over to making our roster as like the sixth offensive lineman i remember when i was on all these fanatic shows over last offseason like bobby hart is gonna make like the roster he he will find <laughs> a way to make the roster and i was getting clowned on by the thousands of people and here it is bobby hart he's in on goal line situations he's the sixth lineman to come in i'm just like you know what 68 bobby hart Good for you, man. Like, good for you. I, then, I love Bobby Hart. Not only does he make the roster, he had like a significant, he had like an actual role in the offense. <laughs> yeah. He had more a role in the offense than Dawson Knox until like week nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he never threw him the football. They never made Bobby Hart eligible to go run a route. I don't know, Dom, if you remember this, that Monday night Patriots game when they lost to Mac Jones during three times, they kept saying number 79 is eligible every play for the Patriots. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was so annoying. I was like, stop. Just stop. We get it. We get it. He's eligible. But, I mean, one thing I think about Spencer Brown, it was a sophomore slump, right, in Dom. We, you mentioned all this stuff going on with him. You know, he got fined for drinking that beer. I think that got to him a little bit. You know, I have a photo just, of that. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So, it's just, I think it's, uh, I think we got to wait one more season to really see what's going on with him, in all honesty. So, I think he'll be all right. Honestly, I think he'll bounce back. And as the I, other, I just hate to say the word "wait" for one more season. Like I don't like that phrase. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. especially I, in the championship window, I, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I would say like, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to better phrase it, but like you can wait like another season on like what Spencer Brown is, but I don't think you could wait another season on the right tackle position because we, we, I mean, Josh's best season in 2020 came when he had his best right tackle. And Darrell Williams when he and played, Darrell Williams was actually good. Like when he played like an All Pro, like when you had yeah. Darrell Williams and Deion Dawkins in your tackle position, like yeah, he could honest. roll out wherever he wanted to go, pretty much, and do whatever he wanted to do. Had as much time as he wanted, but um, yeah, I, I think I think the Bills are interesting. Are you guys expecting anything big coming up, or are you just kind of out on that at this point? Uh, I mean, you're always expecting something, whether you're the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Buffalo Bills, any team you're a fan of. You're always expecting something. You want to make that polarizing move to move your franchise forward. Uh, But as of right now with the Bills, you know, just having around, what, nine or ten million dollars in cap room. I don't see us making that big time move. I I still think there's a, a very good chance that the Bills sign a middle linebacker in free agency. They can go easily sign out. They can go sign Bobby Wagner as we speak right now. They could. And I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat at all. I'd be that's a move I expected them to make. I wouldn't be surprised if they made that move. Uh just because I feel like the Bills are still looking to add something like that. Um if they don't make that move, am I gonna be worried about the season? Am I gonna be worried about how free agency went? 
no, I think overall, this is kind of what I expected out of the bills for free agency, nothing too huge, but, you know, go get a couple guys and, and just, you know, fill those couple holes in your roster that you need to fill. Yeah, yeah abs- I, would agree. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, I don't think we're going to see anything. Well, I mean, I guess by the way, I never would be kind of the definition of flashy, but I would say, <laughs> yeah, I would say I wouldn't be, I think, the expectation should be they find their short-term fix at middle linebacker and they just add depth around uh, both the defensive and offensive line and maybe potentially the running back position. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But let's uh, let's move out from the, the Bills a little bit here. Let's get into the broad spectrum of the NFL. Let's, let's stay in the AFC East, actually, for just a moment. Just a moment, right? So Alan Lazard goes to the Jets the other day, right? What immediate thoughts at that point? Okay, all right. The wish list has been read. Aaron Rodgers will be going to the Jets pending the Packers making a deal. How much scarier does that make the New York Jets and the AFC East as a whole? Because the Dolphins gave us a run for our money, and the Jets with Mike White and Zach Wilson gave us a run for our money a couple times. So, in the Dolphins' defense, they signed quite a few pieces there, defensive backs. So, I think I think they're kind of they're coming for the top. So are the Jets. But what what are your general thoughts on the AFC East right now? After, well, actually, before before we get into that, Mike Gusecki, as we mentioned, is now in the New England Patriots as well. So that's another weapon. New England's back to top contender, according to Patriots fans. But <laughs> but what are your the thoughts replacement on the AFC for Johnny East? Smith? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on the AFC East? Just like how competitive it's going to be next season. It's going to be a doggy dog division. I feel like. Um, there's no, there's oh, no bad, yeah. There's no bad team in the AFC East. I think that's like the thing I always go back to is there's no like the Bears. There's no, I mean the Rams were pretty bad last year, but there's no like team that I think is gonna win like five games. Like we saw it last year where the Jets won what? I think they were in the basement. They went seven and ten. They just kind of like fell off at the end of the year. Like it wasn't like they were bad. I think we're going to see another similar situation where, like, I could see every team be at least eight or nine or above. And I think that's going to lead to really, you know, six really competitive games. And listen, the Dolphins, the number one question for the Dolphins always will be Tua's health. If Tua's not healthy, they don't have a shot. It's as simple as that. I mean, that's kind of similar to everyone's quarterback position where your quarterback goes out. And then if you're the San Francisco 49ers, you're, you're done. And then with the Jets, like, I just think it's interesting if, you know, the Jets kind of have no leverage with the entire Aaron Rodgers situation. So I'm actually just kind of waiting and intrigued to see what the conversation and back is eventually. Yeah. I mean, Evan, what do you think? Yeah. My current state on the AFC East is that it's just getting stronger and stronger every single season when the bills kind of emerged in 2020 and the Patriots kind of, you know, fell down back to earth. The Dolphins were still in that midst of, you know, figuring things out, and the Jets were still going through what the Jets always do, and that's just not winning football games. Uh, The Bills were on top of the AFC East, uh, and we kind of thought that this division was just going to be ours for, you know, at least four or five years. And what I mean by that, it's just we're going to go in, no doubt we're going to win it every single year. And we've won the AFC East, you know, ever since the start of the 2020 season. But it's gotten tougher and tougher every single year because each team has gotten significantly better, you know, from each offseason to their their next regular season. And that's the kind of continued growth path that is going on still. The Dolphins are not, you know, 
sweating at all. They're going to go out and trade for a Bradley Chubb, you know, midseason. They're going to go sign one of the top cornerbacks in the National Football League, Jalen Ramsey. They're going to sign one of the better middle linebackers in the NFL, David Long. It's so like, so they're adding guys, not just on the offensive side of the ball, like Tyree Kill. They're adding guys on the defensive side of the ball, three really impactful starters. And that is just something that the Jets are also doing now as well. They're kind of copying the mold of what the Dolphins are doing. They're saying, all right, the Bills are already established. New England's a still a solid football team. Miami's looking to get better. The Jets, we're going to draft a Garrett Wilson. We're going to draft a future number one. You know, we're going to try to bring in Aaron Rodgers. We're going to bring in, um, you know, Alan Lazard. We're going to try to bring in these players to – you know, up our game, up our ante, and just get that much better. Like last year, they brought in DJ Reed from Seattle, a very good corner. You yeah. know, now, they, you know, they draft Sauce Gardner. They have a very good squad over in New York, and, you know, they're getting Makai Becton back. They have another year of Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, and then if you bring in over Aaron Rodgers, if that deal actually goes through and, you know, Aaron Rodgers is in the, um, you know, in the New York Jets uniform, it's going to just be that much more competitive of a division, uh, you know, with the Buffalo Bills in it. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to take a quote back here to Captain America Civil War from 2016. <laughs> all right. We're going to go we're going to go back in time a little bit here. So the vision is sitting down with the rest of the Avengers and he's going through the numbers of why they're getting limited or whatever. If you haven't seen the movie, you should watch it. If not, I don't understand how you haven't seen it. But he said, since the years that Mr. Stark announced himself as Iron Man, the number of I forget whatever he like the word he uses, but I'll say challengers for this instance has increased exponentially. Right. That's the same thing as the Bills. Ever since they technically, quote unquote, announced themselves as the contender in the AFC East, winning the division three seasons in a row. It's. You got people rising up to you. It's escalation, right? Like they're going to they're going to try and take you down there. You're the you're the top target. And New England was that for nearly two decades, as we all know. And it was just. It, it's tough because we play these teams twice a year already. We've for the past two seasons have played one of them th three times and like playing a team three times a year, you know, each other inside and out, you know what you're going to do. It's, it's, it's basically who can outscore the other at that point. You know what I mean? And it's just, we did it one time, 40, 47 to 17. And then last year was a little tighter with the dolphins, but these teams are just getting better and better. And it is a little scary, but I think honestly, if we just establish who we are, like we have been and just stay who the bills are, I think we won't have an issue. I think if if we start getting scared and trying to really combat their signings and whatnot, which I don't think Brandon Bean's going to do in the slightest, um, that's when things might start to get a little little hairy. But I mean, at the end of the day, any move that your rival makes, you could either be really optimistic or you could be like the world mm -hmm. is falling. Like I'm very optimistic about the Jalen Ramsey signing. I, I do not think that's making a difference against the Bills, but. Oh, I think that was a good move. I you think, think? I think Howard's losing a stop or two, and now him being the number two, I think that was a good move, actually. Well, but, yeah, a good move, but I feel like Jalen no. Ramsey's kind of fallen off a little bit. I'm going to be he honest. Hasn't. From no. what he was, he's not a I, – I wouldn't put him yeah, top, top three. Undisputed number one corner, he's still a top five corner. In the that NFC. is a top five corner for the 77th overall pick and a tight end that no one knows. Hunter Long, point. baby. Don't disrespect. <laughs> Don't disrespect Hunter Long, man. Don't disrespect Hunter Long. 
No, I gotta look up. I think he went to BC, so I can't disrespect Tommy Sweeney by disrespecting another um another BC tight end. But I think what the everyone in the AFC East is like I just have a middle view on everything. Like I'm not down I'm not like super optimistic that they're just gonna run train, but at the end of the day, like I think it is hard for people to remember, but the Bills did win the division. They did go to Boston College under long. Um the Bills won the division by four games last year. And I think that with everything that happened with the Bills last year for them to win 13 games, so how strong the organization is. And listen, it's just it's a very simple fact. The Buffalo Bills have the best player in the division at the most important position in the entire NFL, and that was Josh Allen. Like if you have Josh Allen, you have a fighting chance. Yeah, as long as he's there, you're good. That's that's pretty much it. I guess my one thing would be would be, I don't know. Hmm. I hesitate to say that the Bills have undisputedly the best roster in the division anymore, though. Because I think the Dolphins are right there if Tua's healthy. The Jets, the Jets are interesting because, I mean, we we know this from firsthand knowledge. Like defense kind of fluctuates every year. Like the 2020 Bills defense was kind of middle of the pack. Like the Jets might take a step back defensively a little bit. So I I hesitate to say that they're going to take an unbelievable leap. And the Patriots are just a pain in the butt, but yeah, I mean they have an offensive coordinator now, though, so that could change things instead of Matt yeah, they may be able to score. They may be able to score eighteen points a game instead of sixteen. So yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, <laughs> maybe they'll just, get that extra field goal. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just broad NHL though, or not NHL, NFL. Jeez, we'll get there. We'll talk Sabers in a minute here. But any other like big signings that have caught caught your eyes? Like I know Baker went to. Tampa Bay to replace Tom Brady, but any anything else that really is like, wow, this team this team nailed it, or this was an awful signing. Anything sticking out? Um, I got one. Mm-hmm. I think it was that Juju going to the Patriots kind of intrigued me. Yeah, I I, I think that was a signing that kind of threw me off. And like the other one, uh, Jacoby Myers going to the Raiders. It's kind right. of a swap there. Um, Same the Juju, right, right. Juju going to the Patriots, I thought, was a very good value contract for New England. I think they got a guy that, if playing a full 17-game slate, he's a 1,000-yard receiver. He can you know, handle 85 to 90 catches. We saw him do that in Kansas City this past year. I think he's a very good receiver. I don't know if he's not that traditional number one, but for one year, he can be your your number one, quote-unquote. He can handle that type of workload, and he's productive. He's a very good slot receiver, and Juju, again, showed that playing with Mahomes, winning the Super Bowl ring this past year in Kansas City. I think it's a good signing uh, for New England, but they had just Jacoby Myers going going to the Raiders. What what a joke that is! Like, I mean, this guy was asking for eighteen to twenty million, and then he settled for twelve with the Raiders, and he scored a touchdown last year. You know, for him before he even signed with them. So, I mean, Helpless good for him. Imposter. Right? Now, I, I I do think it's interesting. Of I like the fit New England with Juju. It's just interesting, like, how much better – like, I think Juju is better than Jacoby Myers, but is he that much better will make a huge difference? I I guess time will tell. I do think Mike Kosecki is significantly better than Johnny Smith, though. So, um, I guess, like, the only thing – I mean, listen, the Chiefs lost some guys. The Chiefs also made a nice sign. They signed that edge from the Niners who was re- – oh, Charles, I'm not even going to say his last name because I'm going to butcher it, but that was a nice play. Uh, they switched – Orlando Brown. I, I think Jawan Taylor, the four by eighty, and then switching him from right tackle to left tackle is just 
I feel like if anyone did that except the Chiefs of how they've developed offensive linemen over the year, I think people would be calling that terrible. But I think the Chiefs get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I guess the only big news I would say is like the AFC quarterbacks continued. I mean, obviously, if Aaron Rodgers gets moved, but the AFC quarterbacks are significantly better than the NFC quarterbacks. And Lamar might not even be going to the NFC. Like, Lamar might be staying in house in the AFC. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. I, every, no, it, it, every, it's crazy. You see, like, the top five NFC quarterback lists, and it's like number five is like Geno or something. And, like, in the AFC, it's like Kirk Cousins is top three. So, yeah, I don't think Kirk Cousins is top three. Like, it's how bad it is. It's like, in, and then it's the AFC. It's like Burrow, Mahomes, Allen. Like literally, the, the undisputed probably top three quarterbacks in the entire NFL are all all in the AFC. It's just why couldn't yeah. this, why did this had to happen when the Bills became good? I don't understand. Right. It's just yeah. you know, that's that's classic Buffalo though. You, you got to roll with it, you know. I, if, <laughs> it's just you you got to roll with the punches. But now, anything else on free agency before we move into a little bit of NHL for you fellas? Anything else? Oh, we did forget. You know, the Bills did take a big need out by uh, resigning Sam Martin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was uh, that was awesome. I do like Sam Martin, though, as a punter. I was very happy with his performance when he, when we needed him. For the first few games, we did not. but um, And the first punt he made was muffed, and we got it back in that Titans game. So it was it – was, does it even count as a punt at that point? I don't know. I think it's an offensive play. but Counts as something. Yeah. <laughs> but let's move into our one and only – Buffalo Sabres real fast here, you know, just, just towards, towards the end. It's, it's, it's tough. All right. I get it. They got one point out of the other night, but to be up in the t- start of the third period against, um, why am I blanking who they play the capitals, right? The capitals. Yeah. 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 Against the capitals and to just absolutely roll over, show your belly in pee. I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. It's just like, <laughs> How could you how could you let that happen? Especially like I don't know. I'm I'm just getting re-aggravated talking about it, but what are your guys' general thoughts on the Sabres season that's left and where they stand in their the conference and the division and whatnot and what 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 the future is? Because it's just I know we talk about it all the time. Optimistic. Let's be optimistic here, right? That only takes you so far. We gotta get real. We gotta get real on the chances here. And the chances are our window is probably cracked open to allow a small breeze through to filter a room at this point. So I I mean though, like in our defense, literally last pod we said it was over. And then we like, did. We went doom and gloom really fast on that one. That, that we was went, bad. We, we jumped the gun a little bit because then they I mean they, they had a nice <laughs> comeback win in Toronto. They just blow I mean Washington's not even good. Washington's so bad. Like yeah. They just, I, I can't believe they blew that game. UPL is literally the next coming of Robin Leonard where like they need to you do the soccer move of just getting like the goalie switch in right before like the the shootout to get like they don't have a shot when he's in the net. It's probably it's probably one thing Kruger was good at being a soccer coach. You know he knew it's when just, to pull the goalie. I think it's interesting. They cha- they still have a chance, but they need Rasmus Stalin to be Rasmus Stalin. And with his injury that he, they're obviously like he's playing with, he's not Rasmus Stalin right now. And if they don't have him being who he is, that they don't have a shot at making the playoffs. Yeah, unfortunately. The one thing I'll say about the Sabres right now is that hockey can just switch at any point in time, like whether that's standings uh, or a game in itself. And you know, we know we've seen the Sabres at two different points this season. We saw them in the beginning of the season. 
on that eight-game losing streak. We we saw the lowest of the absolute low from the Buffalo Sabres, right? We saw a team with a bunch of young players with no experience playing in the National Hockey League going out there losing eight games. They felt what the losing felt like at, at the highest level in the world. And they, 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 they recuperated from that. And I would say from that point on until really now, the Sabres have been um, wowing people. They have been showing people up. They have been putting fans back in the seats for the first time in 10 years. They have been something that they have not been in, in, in a decade. Um, and now we're seeing them going through that again. And the reason they're going through that again is because they've never played games in March. They'd ever played, uh, you know, these hard, these this hard, you know, grinding, you know, gritty, uh, aggressive type games in March where teams are playing playoff hockey. They've never, they've never been here. We we got guys in our top six that are literally going to still put on ten to fifteen pounds of muscle the next season. Like we still got guys that are on their rookie contracts, you know, putting up six or putting in, uh, you know, meaningful minutes for us. And, you know, we're going through these, these lapses and we're going through these, uh, you know, emotional points, you know, as, as fans and as, 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 you know, as the players are like, they're, they're losing some of their, these, these hard games, but now they're kind of figuring it out in a point. And they played a really good game against Toronto. And I think they played a very fine game against Washington, but I think the inexperience kicked in and, you know, dropping those two two goal leads uh really was not helping and, and when you look at the playoff standings in general uh the sabers are six point backs six points back of the one and two seeds and that is the pittsburgh penguins and the new york islanders and i know the sabers still have three games in hand on the islanders as we speak also with a head-to-head victory what I'm basically saying is that it's going to go on is that the Buffalo Sabres are going to go on a five game winning streak and the Islanders are going to lose two of their next five. And the Panthers are just going to stay stagnant. They're going to go like 500, you know, Washington, whatever they, they can win one, lose four. Uh, the Sabres are going to be right back in a playoff spot in five games. And how many games are left here? 15 or no, sorry. Yeah, there is for 15 games left of the Sabres. You win five, you're right back in it. it, it like, I know it sounds like, oh, that's just a, a, a desperate desperation saying, but like realistically, you can win five games in hockey and that's 10 points. Yeah. You're yeah. right back. You're right there. Like it, it, that is that is the beautiful thing about hockey. Like it's not football where it's, you know, one game at a time. You got to just kind of let the season go. Mm-hmm. If you're back two games, it's kind of hard to get back into things. But the Sabres kind of control their own path from here. Yeah. They played less games than almost every single team in the league. If they start getting hot and they they figure they figure out what it's like to play uh, some playoff hockey and they get hot at the right time, they can find their way back in it. And, and even though this, if the Sabres don't make the playoffs, like – if I just see this team compete until, you know, the end the end of March, early part of April, if we're like two points out, three, four points out, that's a win of a season for me. I I I don't I don't care we went on this eight game losing streak. I don't care that we lost uh, you know, the five or six. Like I, that does not matter to me. It matters the fact that the Sabres were there when it mattered. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I- schedule also softens out quite a bit. After like, I think they played Boston. They played Boston coming up, and after that, the schedule uh, is pretty relatively easy. So they could definitely. I mean, they could go on a run. And they, listen, to go on a run, you need to score goals, and the Sabres can definitely score goals. It's just 
I think when you have such a young team, it's frustrating at times because they have games where they just complete no show like Dallas, and then they have games where like they play very well, and then the third period they just for a reason they fall apart like Washington. So it, it, it's you're learning. They're get they're as you said they're growing a lot. They have a lot of guys on rookie contracts. They're growing a lot. I just think. The big thing for the Sabres is they have the core, but they have the one position where it's like the question mark of question marks, which is goaltender. And, you know, I thought I thought when we did, were going to do this power, we were going to get some Devin Levi news that he was signing, but that seems to be not quite I, I yet. That. I think that's kind of bizarre if he feels like he wants a shot right away. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Levi maybe getting the crease earlier than we expected? Man, uh, with Devin Levi, I, because I'm pretty sure if he signs this year, his first year of his ELC contract, his entry level contract starts. That's what I'm pretty sure happens. Mm-hmm. And he can't go down to Rochester, right? Mm-hmm. And part of me wants Levi just to play one year in Rochester. I just, I don't know if it's a good idea or not to just throw him right into the Wolves. Like, could he, could he, could he do it? Uh, and, you know, shut me up. For sure. Like I and I'd be the first one to say, like, Levi should not be playing in the NHL uh right now or next season. I mean, at some point next season he could, but I think that he has to start the year in the AHL. I want to see him uh down there first. But if he if he comes here and plays like one game in the final like three and he has a shutout or only allows one goal or something, I'll be the first one to say, All right, dude, you know, you shut me up. I'm I'm 100 for it, but I just I just don't really know how they're going to do that because they would also have to carry full four goaltenders. So, right, that's that's the thing you gotta you gotta think about. Yeah, I think the big thing too is like he wouldn't be able to go down for like the playoffs in Rochester. So like, how would he be getting you know that a the professional hockey league experience? I think would be tough. It's not, I don't care that much about burning the ELC. It's more the Rochester thing that's on my yeah. But also, yeah. if I don't know. I also say with the fact of this isn't the New York Islanders, like this isn't like a team that's built on defense that's not going to allow like a lot of shots or something. Like this is a high event. This is a full offensive hockey team. Like if he get, if he jumps on board, he's going to get had to, you know face forty shots and a lot. Some of them are going to be quality breakaways. Like lets a couple in, that kind of kills the confidence. So I I would say. I think it's ATO, the contract he has to sign or something like that. Like, I would say sign him to that contract. Let him go down to Rochester. Let him chill out for a little bit. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe give him a chance to push first the spot in trading camp. But even that, I don't Oh, for sure. Yeah, you don't, like, want, you don't want to yeah. kill the confidence, like you said. You don't, you don't want to just ruin the whole his whole mentality coming into the NHL that he can't do it. So I, I agree with that. You got you to gotta keep him keep him chilling out let him let him sit back and chill you know yeah and that and that's the thing with with like i think i think sabers fans have gotten to a rhythm it's like we we're, we're this close to the playoffs right we're, we're this close it and and like fans is like at the deadline they want us to make a move um they want that big splash that can get us quickly over the hump but at the same time like we have to realize that again it's a it's a young core we have most of our core filled out. Um, yes, we can still add a piece here or there through through the trade, through free agency. That's always a possibility. That's, that's just how you have to build a team. But again, like the missing piece, like Dom, what you said, is, is goaltender. 
and, and, and that is goaltender. And I think the one thing like we have to realize Sabres fans, like we just cannot rush this piece. If this guy is, if, if we are saying that Levi is the missing piece, if we are all convinced that he is the guy, we cannot rush him. No, because if you rush him and he, he like loses the confidence, isn't as good as presumed because we rushed him early on in his NHL career, you're another year back in development. You're pushing her down farther down the line. You might as well, again, put him down in the AHL, uh, you know, develop him up, and then bring him up when it's right. Because if, if if you just rush him right into the wolves, throw him right into the fire, there's a chance that his development is going to just go off the tracks, go haywire, and you're, you're stuck in another situation where it's, all right, we have to find another Eric Comrie. Yeah. We have to yeah. find another another Craig Anderson. Let's an, get another, another veteran. forty-one year old in the net. You know, let's fix it. Like we're gonna we're gonna have to convince convince Craig Anderson to stay here in Buffalo for one more year. He just wants to play floor hockey with his kid at his house. I mean, let's just I let think, him do that. I think what's <laughs> concerning with the whole Levi thing too is that you know if they rush him and he doesn't work out, like they're they have this core already in place, so they're screwed in the short term because then they have to add someone, which they're probably gonna have to spend a lot of money on. And they're like in trouble in the long term because, I mean, the Sabers. I think going into the season, I think one of their strengths in their prospect pool was the goaltending position. With Levi Portillo, UPL was kind of an unknown, and they just drafted. I, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the Finnish guy in the second round, but <laughs> yeah. second round goaltender's been bad. This he's been bad in juniors in Finland. Portillo got traded. UPL's kind of really inconsistent, and then that really only leaves Levi. And so if Levi doesn't hit, like you don't have anyone. It's not like, it's not like in the, we got Joe Kelly. Yeah. Well, yeah, throw me in that. I'll just lay across the ground, you know, they don't have anyone like in the forward position where if like, I don't know, like if JJ Paterka just busted, like then you have Yuri Coolidge come in. Like they, they would have someone to come right back in the forward position. They don't have that for goaltender. So I don't know. We, we've seen teams, you know, Carey Price carried Montreal to the cup final. We've seen teams of good goaltending make it far. And we've seen teams that have a lot of talent, like Edmonton, repeatedly every year gets knocked out because their goalie is just not, not as good as their counterpart. Right. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you guys. I, I will step in, Sabres, pending uh, an Achilles injury again, if that happens. Uh, I might be in a walking boot. What'd you say? So you got to pass the physical. Got to pass the physical, you know, <laughs> but – uh, I think that's, is that going to do it for this, this fellas? We feeling good. Anything else we want to share thoughts, dreams, hopes, something. I mean, if you want to plug yourself, now would be the time. Yeah. Yeah. Throw your little oh, plug. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, right, right here on the, you can see it at Evan H, <laughs> uh, seven one six. That's my Twitter, uh, on Instagram. Uh, that's Evan Harrington underscore 63. Um, I guess if I guess if you guys are allowing me to plug myself, I guess I'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. um, once in a while, you guys can catch me over on the Buffalo Fanatics. Once in a while, I'm over there if you want more Bills talk. But you know, always stick here with the Buffalonian. These guys are great. Um, you know, I do the Blitz every Monday, Wednesday, Friday with right up or right up here. Or Joe Cali right here. <laughs> you know, you can listen to that on 91.3 FM WBNY. Um, yeah. I guess TikTok NFL analyst uh, trying to get the 10K there, almost there. Um, I'll get back on that soon. And heck, if I if I'm really gonna plug myself, Buffalo State Hockey on Instagram, go follow it. <laughs> doing go. doing media over there. Let's let's go. Let's just plug everything I got. Quite a resume you've got there, but that is gonna do it 
for this edition of the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and I was joined by Dom Loss and Evan Harrington. And Dom, how do you always end these, buddy? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills. Bills.